1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Your favorite band's about to play a sold-out show. You got in. Over here. With a friend and found a spot close
0: enough to see the set list. They're definitely playing your song. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it.
1: Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions. If you have a bleeding condition or take blood thinners, as risk of bleeding or bruising at the treatment site is increased, ask your doctor about all possible side effects and for product information. Talk to a urologist about Xiaflex. Find a Zyaflex-trained urologist at pduro.com or call 877-942-3539. The Fearless Curious Soul. Golding Locks Productions
2: presents The Deep Reading. <laughs> Connecting you to your soul show.
3: Hello, this is Suzanne Wyman, The Deep Psychic. Welcome. Thank you for joining me today. And please think about the commentary that you relate to today in our conversation. I want you to feel included and know that if this conversation resonates to who and what you are You are a part of something greater than yourself. The universe is connecting to you and answering your questions. So today we're having a great conversation about what's happening in astrology, but I thought I would start out today's conversation with something that I'd like to call um, pirate love. So... um, a few years ago, I had a conversation with a client, and it wasn't somebody who I knew, and the client called me and said that they had been looking for love for 20 years and that they were sad that they didn't have their own lady love. And as I talked further with this this man, he he told me a story about how he'd had a tragic accident and he'd lost his eye, and so he put a patch over his eye. And at the time, the woman who he was with found this such a um, difficult thing to accommodate, she ended the relationship, and he had not been with a woman since. And I asked him, I said, well, how do you feel about getting a glass eye? And he said, well, you know, if I meet somebody, they accept me for who and what I am, or they don't. And that's really the end of the conversation. And I thought about that, and the first thing that came to my mind was, Pirate. So I said to him, "I said, what about you embracing your inner pirate, you know? And let's see what happens." He embraces his inner pirate, and uh, our conversation goes on. And I tell him that he will be meeting a woman who is also a pirate from his past life, and. He will recognize this woman because she will have a hook. I have to tell you, I have never in my entire life come close to giving somebody that sort of advice in a conversation. Uh, He called me back a couple days later and told me that he had uh, indeed met the woman, and she was in fact missing her hand, and she did have an artificial clamping sort of device and then he called back a few months later and said that uh, everything was on schedule, they were going to be getting married, and this is the story of pirate love. So, be yourself, be authentically who and what you are in the world, and live from that place, and when you do that, uh, all of the things that you need in the world are given to you, and all of your prayers are answered. Uh, So, today's show is different because I'm going to be taking and allowing people to call in and as they call in, I'm going to go through um, the conversation with them. So today, if you'd like to call in, it's 206-806-9965. So, um, let's see if we have somebody who will drop into the conversation with me and make this person part of the conversation, and let's see what their question for me is today. But today is completely
0: open. Oh, hello. kidding. Okay. How are you? Hello. <laughs> tell me your first name. Yes, yes.
3: Can my you hear name, me? My
4: name is, I can. I'm, 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 I've had my headphones on, so I wasn't sure. Uh, mm-hmm. My name is Linnell.
3: Linnell. Okay. Yeah. So tell me why you called in today. It's lovely to have you, but tell me why you called in. Well, I
4: keep missing your show, and I'm getting everybody else's, so today,
3: today I
4: finally, and I'm missing everybody's new schedule, but yours has been, you know, pretty set,
3: and today I got you. So, <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. So tell me, um, let's do you telling me what the weather's like in your area today.
4: It is uh, beautifully sprinkling. It smells so good. The rain smells so
3: fabulous. So you have this whole um, persona. You love to be hardworking, loyal, trustworthy. But the primary issue for you is always about loyalty. Is somebody loyal to you? Are they able to honor their loyalty? And can you trust them to be loyal to you throughout whatever goes on? You do need beauty in a way that is kind of uh, non-traditional. So some of the things that you find beautiful would not necessarily be considered mainstream beautiful, but you do need beauty. You called specifically to talk about a relationship question that you have going on. And if there's some sort of a question going on, you're trying to interpret this person's acts how they could be understood better to support the process of loyalty. What's your primary process. Is relationships have to be about loyalty, loyalty, loyalty? Hmm.
4: I don't know if I thought of the word loyalty. Really? Oh. Yeah. Um, obligated. obligated. I probably would have thought of. I probably would have put an obligated in there instead of loyalty.
0: Um, uh-huh.
4: But I w- I'd like to learn. But I think I think it's been confused. Yes. Okay. Oh, that was an interesting <clears throat>
3: message. <method. laughs> so let's talk about loyalty. There are some people that have an extremely high um, expectation of loyalty. They believe that if you say you're going to do something, that's like a promise that's etched in stone. It's, it's not something that you can ever really take back, or, or you reveal the flaw of your character. And these people believe that if you really are a loyal human being, you would rather die than dishonor your word. Needless to say, they have very <laughs> few people in their inner world, okay? Okay. That's that's probably that's probably like the most extreme example of um, a person's perception of loyalty, and that goes back to the the place of King Arthur and the Round Table, and it goes back to a time where, um, where there really was yeah, and if you, yeah, and if you say no, we're going to cut your head off. Uh, yeah, <laughs> right. There was not much. There just was not much. There wasn't much clothing. There wasn't much food. There wasn't much life expectancy. Um, Death was more dominant than life. Um, Mm -hmm. Women's life and children's life was very, very minimal. So you also didn't give Mm -hmm. your word easily. You didn't give it. You didn't say, oh, I'll do that for you. You thought long and hard before you made a commitment or a promise. And so... Um, the process of loyalty was established. You know, you were loyal to your word. You were loyal to the person you gave it to. Um, there, was, there was a great deal of prestige attached to you as a person if you could be loyal in all circumstances. You got a lot of honor and a lot of recognition. So that's kind of an interesting shift to where we are today. And you say it's about obligation, but if we look at the word of obligation, um, a person who doesn't uphold their obligation to you is a person whos it's very hard for you to work with, very hard for you to have a relationship with trust and um, to be connected with that person. So that's an interesting, you, you took it to a different point, but really loyalty is upholding your obligations without question. Yeah, uh, that made complete sense. Like okay. full circle. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know what? I got to tell you something. There's a lot of people that don't really understand my style of communication, and I think that sometimes I get so out there in the concept or the tangent that's at stake that I don't go back to the practical dialogue. But you, you did get it, and you know, um, I do. Thank you. I do. Well. Okay. So have we answered your question?
4: Uh, you brought in another uh, level, and I, it was needed for me to see it, and I wasn't seeing that. Um, okay. So that was cool. I, I've said that at different times, but it uh-huh. because I I keep accelerating. Now that's a that's another level of that lesson that I have now gotten to.
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> so here's the. Here's the
3: Here's the interesting thing is, is that, um, first of all, I think that you're really a fearless human being. I think that you really do have a way of just really coping with what happens. And so you have a tendency to attract people into your world who you end up taking care of. It's never your original intention, but you see that they have a difficulty or an obstacle and it's such an easy thing for you to resolve that you go about doing that for them, and then they have a sense that because you've done it, that there's a deep connection. It's my job. Yeah. It's It's a deep connection. And so they make you feel as if you are obligated to do these things. But the interesting thing of it is, is that this is something I had to learn in my life, and that was, is that if I did things for people, And they never learned how to do it. And I was not only depriving them of the experience of learning how to do it, I was also depriving them of the opportunity of growth. And so if we look at it in polar opposites that, you know, you tell somebody, okay, I'm willing to help you with this one piece of unfinished business that you have here. But once we get this resolved and we're 90 days out, you and I need to have a very (laughs) different conversation, right? Right. Yeah because most people yeah. go through a they go through a difficulty or a crisis of some sort and the first the first 6 weeks are nothing but one continuous crisis and then the second 6 weeks turn out to be more of the resolution and then they're back into what their life has become at that moment not what it was in the past and not what it's going to be in the future but what it is today and so you get them stabilized and you make it look so easy that they think, oh, well, this is no problem. She'll do this for me all the time.
4: Yeah, well, yeah, I've shifted that. And now I've slid into the, um, the backslash of not doing it for those people that I've done it for so long.
3: Yeah, ah, uh, yeah. I, <laughs> imagine, I imagine when you took and you withdrew your um, – Agreement to continue. I imagine that they said they played the victim card and said, Oh, it's your fault that it turned out this way because this is what you should have done for me. And then, no, yeah, and that's, then you're, yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> and then yeah. you're putting in the untenable position of explaining to them how this is not your responsibility and it never was your responsibility, it's their responsibility to do.
4: Yeah, I had to grieve. I had to grieve that uh, that position that I had made. Um, Yeah, it's been a crazy couple weeks.
3: (laughs) It's been a crazy three years. (laughs) So you know what? I really, I really, I really like Carolyn Mays. Carolyn Mays wrote um, "Sacred Contact." Me too. But in there, she. Her first work that she did is something called the archetype work, and she put it onto a board, and she had all these different things <coughs> that went with it, but it was too complicated, and so she just came out with a deck of archetypes. So do you realize that you have gone, you have moved out of the archetype of being the sage and the teacher, and you've moved into this position of being the... Um, as uh, the person who yeah. is the crisis facilitator. And so um, I am sort of curious, you know, in general, what area your um, work is that you use for income. The work Because you have two types of work. One is your spiritual work and your emotional work and the tangential sort of um, greater than who and what I am living in the universe process. And then you have <laughs> a day-to-day um, type of work. So I'm, I'm just, you know, curious what field you're working in.
4: I'm in the construction and uh, hospitality of rentals and building of homes. I do all of them, like a caretaker. I'm a caretaker,
3: well, contractor. There you go. Right, right. So, you know, I'm always amazed. Here's a personal observation. I come from um, a lot of um, construction, you know, involvements with friendships and Um, family and so forth. So I get it. Here's my question. I feel that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Thank you. Um, Why is it that nobody just comes straight out and says to a man or a woman and says, you know, you're now 42 (laughs) years old and you should no longer be doing this physical work. Oh, yeah, things will come up where you're going to have to lend a hand and you're going to have to be present and you're going to observe. But I've seen every single individual that was working physically doing the construction every single day over the age of 42, they always ended up with a really serious problem, serious health problem, substance abuse, um, emotionally abusive relationship. And I just I don't know why somebody doesn't just tell them, you can no longer do this work physically. You're going to be present, you're going to observe it, you're going to instruct, you're going to clarify, you're going to be the observer but, and definitely, <laughs> definitely if you see something's going to fall, put your hand in there. But why is it making yourself blunt <laughs> with them? <laughs> what? Oh my God.
4: I, I was, oh, this makes me giggle. My husband had a heart attack he's 60, I don't know, I think. I don't know, I don't keep track, but he had a heart attack, and two weeks later, I was I was finishing a roof with him. <laughs> I was on top of the roof doing a roof, and why? that's so funny that you said because yeah why was a very good question. <laughs> um, they were my friend's house, which probably put a little edge in me. I know why that all happened. Didn't plan on him having a heart attack. And uh, glad he finally just bucked up and hired somebody else to finish it. Because yeah, right. uh, we don't get along anymore. <laughs> that's evident. evidence. Oh. Um, yeah, that's dis- just dis- evident. But I still run the company, so it's kind of bizarre. You
3: know, that's, that's perfectly wonderful. Um, but the thing of it is, is that if this person was really a friend and your husband had had a Heart attack, and they needed roofing done, and they were trying to get it done for a discount. You kind of had a choice there. You could have told them, you know, if you're really a good friend, you'd understand that my husband and I are too old to be up on a roof, and it doesn't matter if I can still climb up on that ladder. I'm not old. I'm too old to be up on the roof, you know. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, yeah,
4: that's that's a tough one with with our setup. He, um, he's you know a mountain biker. He's actually very healthy, um, uh-huh. I, and I Heart am fat. as well. So. I, I, um, yeah, well, he had a heart attack like six months ago, I guess, and now uh, his his body actually did its own bypass, and it just was a weird thing. It's bizarre. Very athletic. I live in Tahoe. Um, uh-huh. Older is older here. I mean, you really got to be up in your 70s to be considered older here because there's people mountain biking, 60- and 70-year-olds, definitely. Um, now, I, so it's a I'm little gonna different.
3: You, I'm going to tell you this with a lot of love. Once you get above forty two and you're still climbing up there and doing the physical work, there's a great disconnect, but you know you've got you've got
4: i my didn't hear that now I've heard it twice, and i won't i and I totally heard that because i'm fifty three uh-huh. and I've decided I don't have to do that stuff anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to hire someone for that, yeah no he's like we got to get over and like Shovel the driveway for the plows, and I was like, "No, that's why you hire the plow." <laughs> wow! Wow! All
3: right. Yeah,
4: yeah, yeah. Oh, this is oh. an interesting, you know, switch that I'm making. You know, because I'm not, I'm not saying yes to all the weird things that I've been saying yes to for so long. I'm like, no, that is absolutely not what I'm going to be doing.
3: Tonight. You got to listen. The next person I have on is an excellent storyteller, so.
4: Beautiful. Listen
3: in, okay. Listen in, and you're welcome to call me. And I just love you, and you've just been a
4: great, I know. This a great crazy. Calling. Okay.
3: Cool. All right. All right. Let's go. I oh, know. Thanks. Okay. I'm listening. All right. Okay. Okay. Great. Bye bye. So the next person I have on has some of the best stories about his own personal experience and understanding of. Um, how people work as psychics, intuitives, energy workers. I mean, he definitely has an ability to apply that knowledge in his daily life. Um, great sense of humor, extraordinarily gifted and talented, and has created some of the most talented individuals in his work. Some of the most talented people in the world, actually, have been created through your work, Stan. So Stan, tell us a great... Give- us your intro, and then tell us one of your favorite stories of being with a psychic.
2: (laughs) Wow. Okay, well, all of my experience started when I was about 12, because my mother and father were both heavy into this just as kind of a parlor game. Uh, They were both Methodists. My mom was the Methodist choir director. My dad was the superintendent of Sunday schools, but but they still had this interest uh in psychic phenomena not to the point where they would ever base a life decision on it which i obviously think is not the right thing to ever do uh okay. but um but they brought me you know i just kind of like was on the periphery and and got they would go to Chesterfield Indiana which is a which is a commune town of psychics and mm-hmm. uh Sarasota no in Florida um, there, there's another town down in Florida. It's the same thing, full of psychics. So anyhow, so starting in, you know, like junior high on, I was around this phenomenon and, uh, so became really interested in it and, uh, had some great experiences both, uh, with, uh, you know, like through speaking through trumpets, uh, and, uh, uh in person phenomena so you know, a, a lot of uh, a lot of crazy things over my life and I don't talk about it with a whole lot of people cuz they'll think you're nuts but um uh, <laughs> but but it's always okay. been fun you know it's always been fun so,
3: so your story that you told the story you told first of all um séances <clears throat> aren't done the way that they were done at that time. Seances were done differently. So kind of kind of set the stage. Tell us the story, and then share with us that, that story that you have about your dad that was just a one-in-a-billion story. Uh,
2: about my dad, there's a lot of them. What one in particular?
3: The one where the um, American Indians showed up and joined in the oh platform.
2: yeah. Well, my my dad. I still I have my dad's trumpet. Matter of fact, which is uh, it looks like a cheerleader's megaphone, except it's mm-hmm. made out of uh, uh, aluminum or tin. Yeah, and it's very light, and it telescopes down into a smaller megaphone, and uh-huh. my dad put luminous bands around it, so when uh, the lights went out in a séance. He was still able to track his to make sure there wasn't somebody actually holding it and, uh, you know, messing with us that way. So uh, the deal would be that we would all put the, there would maybe be six or eight of us, and we'd sit in the circle and we put the trumpets in the middle of the circle on the floor, turn the lights off, and then one by one, people, uh, spirits would come through, uh, they would speak through your particular trumpet would elevate off that floor and you could feel it, uh, come by you. You could feel the percussive P's and the B's on the end of that trumpet in your face. And, uh, so you would know, and they would be speaking like my grandmother, who was from Ireland spoke with an Irish accent, naturally, you know? Um, but what I would do uh, being a 15 year old wise kid, I would stick my feet out in front of me to try and trip anybody that was out there, you know, in the dark with that trumpet. And there never was. But anyhow, so one time they had uh, uh, one of these seances, and all of a sudden a group of Native Americans came in to the session, somehow were able to break in, and they picked up those trumpets and they started banging each other and laughing and having fun uh, with all eight people's uh, ten trumpets, uh, and it was horrifying. Somebody finally, uh, even though they were laughing, they were having a great time. We were all scared to death, so somebody switched the light on. The minute they did, all the trumpets fell uh, into a pile back on the floor again as those Native American spirits dispersed, but there were a, a lot of banged-up trumpets in the meantime, which was kind of fun, you know. <laughs> uh, so that, that was... Perhaps one of my you know, most memorable experiences with the trumpet, for sure.
3: So I've got sort of a question, sort of like um, off of that tangent. Today you have a true love and understanding and connection to um, the culture of the American Indians and everything else. Could that have been the starting point, seeing that, to your great love of their their spiritual value system
2: you know I, I never i never thought about it that way except i will say this uh i my wife and i are collectors big collectors of native american memorabilia our house looks like a uh, reservation but uh uh but my dad and i used to uh, uh, drive down the road to, uh, out of town of Minneapolis ways to somebody's farm as they would be uh, as they would be plowing. And we'd ask if we could walk the furrows of the plow when they were done because we want, they would always unearth lots, depending on the area, but they had unearthed a lot of uh, arrowheads. Right. And so you could just – and, and the, the farmers themselves would never notice those. They were always on a tractor or whatever. But we would know to go and take a look at, at, the, at the furrows. we would walk them, and sure enough, we would always pick up um, some arrowheads. so I, I kind of got that interest right off the bat, you know, and I, my two of my spirit guides uh, are Native Americans, right, uh, you know, so and I, I'm in communication with them daily. So uh, I, as I understand it, and there's controversy both ways about it, but that, that everybody, almost everybody, at least here in our country, has a Native American spirit guide as one of their spirit guides. could maybe be two of their spirit guides. But, but uh, I, I've been raised, and I kind of believe that, that, uh, that everyone, if, if they want and if they call on them, and welcome them. Would have at least one Native American spirit guide. I have Blue Water and North Wind for my two, and I can call on them anytime. My dad had Red Poppy, uh, a, a princess as a spirit guide. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting stuff, man. You know, I'm I'm sure there. I, I feel very comfortable in that Native American aura. You know. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So, so yeah. That's first of all, Stan. What a great, what a great story. What a great tie-in, and what an interesting. So, at the time that you would walk behind the farmers, um, you know, turning the earth up, and you would look for these artifacts. At that time, historically, um, there was no preservation of American Indian burial grounds and burial sites. It was Many many decades later, before anything like that even came into awareness, and when it finally did come into awareness, I think the usual fine was five hundred dollars, and it was only much later that the lands were actually protected. So that's an interesting chapter in the history because I think in the end you ended up preserving part of their history because your intention was to preserve it. So
2: right, exactly. Um,
3: right. So yeah, because you have, a, totally. you have such. You have a total love and you have reverence and you have respect and you have a desire to serve and you have a deeper understanding. So they say that if you have three lifetimes as an American Indian, that you're an extremely fortunate individual and that if the American Indians had been left with the land, they would have taken and never put um, the earth out of balance. I mean, they take and apologize to the Mother Earth for the weight of the tent being anchored to the land. And so yeah. when you actually... I mean, a lot of people look at some of their their customs and traditions because it varies tribe by tribe as being barbaric and so forth. But when you actually look at how they revere nature and the Mother
2: Earth... Oh, for sure. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Yeah. yeah, totally.
3: So choose another favorite story of yours, Stan, because I could keep you talking for a really, really long time because um, you have so many great stories. But, you know, just talk about some of the help that you've gotten in your life to help you make decisions. You're right. You should okay. follow your own I'll
2: tell. You, I'll, I'll tell you a, a crazy one. Uh, okay. Now, now in, in, all, in all of my experiences, uh, it's, it's kind of a general, a very general opinion that, that uh, that if a if a psychic can read for you, and not every psychic can read for every person, you
1: okay. know, you'll
2: know that you're in the, the presence of a real psychic if at some point they say, you know what, I'm just not getting anything on you, uh, keep your money, you know, uh, rather right. than to say, oh, yeah, your grandma's here and she's fine, you know. <laughs> uh, so, but, but the really good ones will in fact say, and I've had that happen before, they'll say that uh, a lady... Uh, who this next story is going to be about uh, in St. Paul, Mrs. Olson could read for my dad like crazy, but not for my mom and uh, no, no special reason, you know, Mm -hmm. but now there'll be people that could read really well for my mom and not for my dad. So, figure it out. I don't know. But here was my, here's my favorite story.
1: Offer deadline on Oak Street, aisle three. Welcome
0: to the housing market. I'm with Redfin and I'm here to help. I need to sell my house. Great. Redfin charges a 1% listing fee when you buy and sell with us, which is more than half
1: off the usual fee and saves you an average of $8,400. Oh, wow. Is that all? Uh, yep. I'm kidding. You had me at 1%. Want to win? Sell with Redfin. It's real estate done right. Bidding warrant the offer's counter in five minutes. Average savings is Redfin refund plus 1% listing fee. Subject to minimums. Not available in all areas. Learn more at redfin.com. About
2: not taking everything, uh, to don't make any life-changing decisions on what you hear from a medium. So Mrs. This, uh, this was 1963, <clears throat> and Vietnam War was on and I was uh, uh, probably going to be drafted so um, uh, I asked Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Olson, my dad's psychic, uh, which is interesting. When I sat down with her, it, it was in the wintertime. She said, uh, there's uh, there's a Native American person here that says he just saved your butt. And I said, what did you talk about? And she said that you hit the ice and sailed right through a stop sign. You're going too fast, which is exactly what happened when I was... Oh. When I was on the way over there, that's exactly what happened. But anyhow, so I'm asking her, I'm saying, hey, uh, I'm asking, and I, I said, okay, so the war's coming on. What do you see about me um, uh, being drafted? And see what you get from the other side. And so um, she said, well, I'm being told that you will not. Be drafted. You will not go to Vietnam. Uh, but I'm also being told you'll have the opportunity to sign some sort of paper that would allow you to be in the reserves. And at the time, the reserves were all full. Everybody in their brother wanted to get in the reserves right away, so they wouldn't have to go to Vietnam. So, anyhow, being a chicken shit, I was looking for you know reserves, and there weren't any. But. um Uh, She said, you're going to be offered an opportunity, and I don't know how this is. I'm just getting bits and pieces. Don't sign it, she said. Don't sign that piece of paper that would put you in reserve because, in fact, they're all over here saying you're not going. So I said, well, thank you very much. Uh, See you later. So in about three months, sure enough, I get a letter uh, about my draft, you know, from the draft board saying, come on down for a physical. Okay. So I, uh, in the meantime, I' had my knee really banged up in high school football, mm-hmm. and it was I, boy, it's, I had bone chips floating around in there, and it, it was a real problem. So I did actually have a letter from the doctor uh, saying that, you know I had a bad leg, it was a trick knee, and it went out all the time, which is the truth. So I took that letter with me down to my physical. So we start the physical and uh at that time you would go from station to station to station there were hundreds of guys my age uh and you would go to these stations within the big armory and one station the guy would check your eyesight the next station he'd check your hearing the next station the guy would check uh your joints and the next station they would do something else well so I've got this letter, and I'm going through, and I'm not getting wiped out. And I'm going to myself, oh, man, did I make a mistake or what? I should have signed the letter and gotten into the reserve. So we get to the almost the very end of, of this uh, sequence of these physical stations with these doctors at each station. Get to the very end. And I'm going, I'm screwed. I'll never listen to another psychic. And, and I'm talking to my uh, the fellow that was with me going through this physical. We're standing they were both in our jockey shorts. And he looks at my paper, and I look at his. Just kind of interest. Oh, yeah, what did you guys say? Blah, blah, blah. The guy says, why are you still in line? This other kid said. I said, what are you talking about? He said, look, they wiped you out four stations ago. They should have not had you progress to the next station. And I looked down at this piece of paper, and sure enough, they had actually wiped me out at that. When they had me do the squats and I had trouble doing it, uh, they didn't wipe me out then. Somehow, by mistake, they just said, yeah, go ahead. Then evidently go ahead and then go home. But uh, So I'm going, wow. So... <laughs> I took this letter to the next doctor and and what they did back then, if you were going to be four F or one Y, they would send you to a psychiatrist who would talk to you and try and make you not feel so guilty. <laughs> so my <laughs> next my next stop was to a psychiatrist and said, Well, you know, how do you feel about not being worthy to be in the United <laughs> States Army, you know? Uh-huh. Oh man. But anyhow, so there was a time when and ever since then, that was such a scare for me that I would never base a lifetime decision. Should I marry this person? Should I not? Uh, uh-huh. Should I, you know, uh, it has to be maybe, or it can be part of your decision making, for sure, but definitely not the only thing you hang your head on, because that might be one of the days that, that Psychic was not reading you correctly. And That's then right. you'd be screwed, you know. So there's my my story.
3: (laughs) You know, um, so I agree with you. I think there's two things that you said that are really true. First of all, there are times when you meet with somebody and there's not that piece of chemistry, connectedness, understanding, or anything. And so, because I work in public a lot, and that's how you met me, there's still Uh things that I can do, I can take and... Um, look at somebody's palms, or um, there's other things that I can do, which are sort of, I like to think of as rote activities. I could teach anybody how to read these sort of things. Um, But actually taking and doing psychic work, where you pick up the energy, you internalize it, you decipher it, and then you read it back to the person, does not always happen. And it's right. not anything. It means nothing. And I, too, right. have showed up someplace, and somebody has asked me for a reading, and I sat down with them, and nothing happened. And I've said, you know, thank you for having me over, but I'm going to go home now because I don't get anything from you. It's just not working.
2: Um, yeah. And the person... Yeah, that's can, great. That's great. Well, yeah, that you're, yeah, you're honest like that, you know. Well, now, I still use a pendulum, however... Next to my side of the bed, I have about a 250 pound crystal. I've had it for years and years. And it's surrounded by, I'm going to count it, about 25 tomahawk heads is surrounding this this big crystal next to my bed. And then uh, on the nightstand, Next to the bed, I have uh, about a ten-pound phantom crystal surrounded by twelve phantom, big, large phantom uh, uh, crystals that I use as a uh, as a ring. You know, uh,
1: okay. w-
2: with twelve of them around there, and then uh, I over over both of these sets of crystals, I will use a pendulum as part of the decision making, or, uh, we'll say, uh, there's a, there's a company that I'm, uh, heavily invested in. And I have this stock certificate there. Uh, it still hasn't uh, manifested, but I put that stock certificate on top of this 300 pound crystal. And then I stand over it with a pendulum and, uh, if the pendulum and the pendulum spins to the right, when I ever ask a question of a pen of a crystal with a pendulum to me, I've allocated spinning to the right as being affirmative spinning to the left as being negative. Now, some okay. people do just the opposite. It doesn't make one bit of difference how you designate your spinning left or right, just as long as you understand it and you set that standard. So every day I will stand over this, these crystals, upon which uh, they are uh, on the actual certificate, uh, Terra has made copies of the stock certificate, and I have them around the house under crystals. so uh, and then I'll stand over there by the pendulum, and the pendulum will always go to the right, meaning that someday, yes, this capella stock is going to actually flourish. And right. uh, and if it does, I'm in great shape. And if it doesn't, I'm screwed. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but yeah. but oh. uh, or if I if I'm debating on buying a car, I collect old vintage Corvettes. If I uh, it, w- am debating on buying a certain vintage Corvette, I will take a model of that year, whether it's a '59 or a '60 or '64. 67. And I'll take that model and I'll actually put that model on the crystal and stand over it with my pendulum. And just, and I don't start that pendulum spinning at all. I just dead still, you cannot help that thing start to spin. If it spins to the right uh, more than, and I'll do this maybe 15, 20 times in a couple of days. If it continuously spins to the right, I take that as an affirmative and I'll go ahead with the sale. If it spins to the left, a number of times without my provoking it physically, I will usually pass on it and right. I'll never know what I should have or not. Cause I, I don't buy it, but I've never had a problem with any of the investment cars, uh, that I purchased as that's one of the ways I make my decision, but only one of the ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So all of Fabian. this stuff for me is, a is, is, is part of my decision-making or my lifestyle or my whatever, but not all of it for sure.
3: Interesting comment. Lifestyle, it is your own decision. You recognize that, and you just are using these tools to tune in more exactly.
2: deeply. Right. Yeah, huh. tools, yes, exactly.
3: Yeah, they're tools. So um, it does require training, discipline, education, insight, and the process
2: of awareness. So it's not just random. Yeah. But there's been so many kind of like spiritually, you know, ordained kind of things that have happened in my life. For instance, there was a a time that I went through a series of car accidents all within two years. I had a head-on at 100 miles an hour. A guy, a drunk guy hit me, snapped my femur totally in half, among other things. Then I... um, uh, Another uh, motorcycle accident, I broke my other leg. I've broken my knees a few times. And I went to a a psychic, a very, and I forget her name now, but pretty well-known nationally uh, from Texas, came into uh, L.A. and was accepting, uh, um, you know, seances, I mean, uh, sessions. So I signed up for one of them. And I was on uh, crutches at the time. From another car wreck, or I broke my knee, or my ankle, or something, and I said, "Look, I got to know something. You know, what do you get? What can you get about the problems that I'm having?" And I didn't say, I didn't go into uh, all the times that I broke. I didn't want to give her too much information, but I just said, "You get anything on this?" And and in about twenty minutes, she got that. At one time, I was a shipbuilder. I owned a shipbuilding company in the late 1600s, early 1700s, and there was a defect in the stairs of the ships that I was doing to the place where after I found about this defect and I did not correct it, thinking, uh, no one's going to get hurt on this thing. What would it take to do that? And as a result, there were a number of people who had fallen on the ships of the company that I own on the stairs and broken their legs. She said, you will, however, be happy to know that you've worked out that karma now. <laughs> you will not be having any more b- broken legs or knees or whatever. But isn't that crazy?
3: It is. That is it really it. Is. And
2: the shipbuilding thing, Tara and I have probably 25... Large, beautiful model ships around our house. I've always been attracted to, you know, the old old time ships, and we've got them all over the house. I didn't ever think of that until a few years ago, and I'm remembering my shipbuilding deal. And I went, Tara, you know, as I would bring home another ship, and she'd look at me, say, "I'm crazy." I said, "You know, remember that story? I wonder if this has." You know, validity, and I'm believing that it probably does, is one of the reasons I collect these old 1600 ships, you know, from the 1600s, is of my experience as a ship builder (laughs) and my screwing up as messing up the stairs and broke people's legs. So there. You know what? That would be (laughs) a dollar.
3: You know what? what? Your stories require focus discipline taking action and understanding the information so you are a perfect individual and i always enjoy any opportunity to talk to you and your lovely wife tara
2: it's always oh, amazing well we it enjoy is. you that's for sure we've got we okay. more great times to come with you and rich for sure
3: oh thank you so much well stan anytime you're available you have the very best stories come back and do this with me again please
2: oh yeah I've got uh I've got seventy seventy six 76 years worth of them.
3: <laughs> okay. All right. Talk to you right.
2: later. My my Thank my social security my my social security number is 3.
3: <laughs> that that explains yeah. everything. Okay. Bye-bye. Yeah. Thank very you. good. <laughs> okay. Um wow. What what a inspiring story. Um being able to take and use the information that happens as the result of his conversations with psychics, and one of my most favorite people in the world to have a great conversation with because it's always unique, it's always different, and it's always transforming. Um, so I've got I've got a conversation with us about astrology. So let's um, hello, mm-hmm. Katharina. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you, dear? Good. Good. For some good. reason or another, I never found out that you were online, and I was like starting to like think what what happened to Katherina today, and where is she? So I'm so glad I found you.
0: <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's <laughs> all uh, so just part of this retrograde energy that we're entering into. So just have to slow down and take things as they come.
3: Yeah, easier said than done. I'm sort of um, type type A personality. I want it perfect, and I want it now. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, I can identify with that. Um, how, how? So we are in four retrogrades right now.
1: So four. We are.
0: We have we have Venus retrograde, Pluto retrograde, uh, Jupiter, and Saturn went retrograde on May 10th. Um, uh oh. And most of those retrogrades. Left through this summer until September October, we have a short mercury retrograde that comes up in June, so we'll have five planets in retrograde next month. but yeah, we've got a lot of heavy energy until um that fall season so so tell me what so we've got Saturn and retrograde Saturn retrograde and Jupiter retrograde going uh on the same day, that was on the tenth on Mother's Day.
3: So that's an interesting thing because um, Jupiter's son, Jupiter's um, child, Saturn, Saturn's son is Jupiter. So Saturn is the father of Jupiter. And um, Saturn talks about restrictions, restrictions that are self-imposed and that we need to break free of because they imprison us in order to reach our complete and full potential. And um, it's always it's very interesting that both of those pieces of the um, knowledge of our of astrology should fall into retrograde on the same day. So it's kind of like the things that restrict you and the things that could create the knowledge to free you from the restriction have both fallen into a slower pattern. But Saturn was told by a psychic, it was prophesied, that he would be um, killed by his son. And so he did yeah, not allow... Yeah, that's part did, yeah. yeah. So he doesn't allow them to be born. And Saturn is part of a grouping of um, astrology concepts called the Titans. And so... Um, when you take and you think of them both falling into a retrograde, it's kind of like the energy that could birth you and give you freedom has been delayed and the energy that gave birth to the concept that made you aware of the restriction has fallen into a retrograde. And it's interesting because I think that we really just need to slow down and look at life differently. It isn't anything bad but it is going to be slower. It's definitely going to be slower.
0: Yeah, so you talked a little bit about the mythology there and Saturn, yeah, swallows all of his children. And um, I actually found it, you know, I always like to go find something new. So I did not know that Saturn was the brother of Janus, the two faced god. So that's, yeah. I like, you know, I like the mythology, so um, I always like finding new stuff. But, um, yeah, so Saturn in um, Greek mythology would be Cronus, and he, he has all these Titan children with his sister, Rhea, um, and Rhea finally gets tired of all the kids being, sw- uh, you know, swallowed up, and um, so she takes Jupiter and uh, hides him on the island of Crete and right. gives uh, just Saturn a stone to swallow instead. And yes. so it's Jupiter who goes in and frees all of his uh, brothers and sisters from Saturn's stomach, mm-hmm. and uh, they become, you know, the Titans. And um, and then, you know, obviously Jupiter goes on to father the Olympian, what we know as the Olympian gods, with his uh, sister Hera and various other, you know, Greek and interchangeably Greek and Roman deities, right? So. Right. Um, so yeah, it's kind Roman, of interesting because. Sorry, go on.
3: The Roman deities have an Etruscan layer, so they take part of their Etruscan mythology and apply some of the old concepts that were um, the Etruscan concepts, and the Greeks um, take and apply um, islands and locations to the power. Of their deities. That's sort of the separation between the two. Are they both the same and do they translate? Absolutely. But when you actually look at how the stories are layered into the mythology and that knowledge, you'll see in those two regions, which are not that far apart, that those are the differences.
0: Yeah. So, um, I just, I always have, I think it's easier for me to remember the Greek names for some reason. So maybe because there's not that added Etruscan layer. And maybe it's more part of pop culture. I don't know. <laughs> um, but so it's interesting because they both – so Saturn goes retrograde in Aquarius and in Capricorn, and then Jupiter goes retrograde in Capricorn. So Ugh. a lot of, um, you know, about creating – Structure, uh, order, routine—you um, know, uh, re- relating to our ambition and our drive, and kind of what we'd like to build and create. So, um, with the so let's do the Saturn in retrograde first. Okay. So it kind of stirs our memories of childhood, talks about our relationship with our fathers. Um, we have that connection with the masculine energy. and um, so we are have this basically voice of reason that brings us back to the the path that we know is good for us, right? So teaching us that we are wise and capable and able to take responsibility, right? So, It's about accountability, personal responsibility. It's kind of known as a planet of tough love. Um, But, you know, we're able to make the best of what we've been given, and I think the slowing down of that is, um, you know, we're able to look over our past one more time and kind of see what we're going to be given as a reward for those efforts of doing that deeper work. When it goes direct.
3: <clears throat> okay, so Saturn. Saturn has um, five children, and of the five children, one of the children does not actually make it to the earthly plane. And I can never, uh, I never can remember this. In Greek mythology, it's Hesta, and in Roman mythology, it's Vesta. And I can't remember if it goes the other way, but she is the keeper of the fire in the heavens. And so um, it's spiritual illumination is what we would term it as today. And so by going through this retrograde in Saturn, it is like saying your ability to understand how to use earth, air, water, fire, and... um, How to use those things in a practical way in order to assist yourself is going to take deeper thought. You're going to have to look at where you came from, what your understanding is of the earth, and you're going to have to evaluate that. And if you evaluate that, then you'll be able to make the movement. But if you don't, you won't be able to make that movement. So it's a very interesting aspect to be going on exactly at this moment.
0: Yeah, because it's about, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of um, things that relate to Saturn and rules and government structure and things like that. So yeah. it'll be, yeah, interesting to see how, when it goes direct, what the the manifestation is as on a bigger picture, but then also for people individually, if they're able to do that work. Okay. Um. So Jupiter is the plant known as the planet of abundance, right? Brings opportunity, helps us to expand so we can kind of see things with greater clarity. So Jupiter actually spends most of the year in retrograde, but um, like I said, it's going into Capricorn. So it'll be retrograde from May 10th to September 13th. Um, and it, but it hasn't so it hasn't been in Capricorn for twelve years. So that's kind of a new piece. Um, so even though it spends retro, even though it goes into retrograde most of the year, the new piece is that it's going to be in Capricorn with all these other planets in Capricorn too, right? So okay. we're really being asked to reevaluate um, how we build things. So. Right. Um, So with the with the retrograde, it's not really as easy to access the big picture. We're kind of asked to narrow in on a particular theme and topic of our lives, Um, you know. But in looking at the smaller details, we can take away what we're going to apply to our bigger picture. But um, you know, we are going to be feeling tired and lethargic, and kind of feel like we have a lost motivation. so, and that's not necessarily a negative thing if you can look at it as your, it's time to do your inner growth work and that with that growth, you'll have, you know, something that will be produced out of that work when it goes direct in September.
3: So do the inner work and trust that the inner work will lead to work in the outside world. Don't look for immediate results. Just look for the act of understanding, knowledge, awareness, and application and discipline knowing that you're building towards something that will be um, greater because it's been forced into a slower, more methodical, precise structure.
0: Yeah, and I have kind of a bit top of my notes of you know focusing on the small details is what gives us insight and appreciation of the bigger picture, right? So we don't want to lose sight of what's important um, by looking at the details. It all blends together.
3: Okay, really good. Any other um, great suggestions? Um, I'm, uh, I'm down to the last few minutes here. So what are the, you know, your last, um, your most powerful points because it's interesting that those are the two retrogrades occurring right now.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think it's just um, you summarized it really great. So I think it's just about laying our groundwork, our foundation, um, looking at the structure and what inner work we need to do to have expansion occur.
3: Great. Great. Not a bad time, just a more um, planned out, methodical process. Hey, would you come on and do this with me again next week? You're so good at it. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Absolutely, yes.
3: All right. Thank you very much. All right. So you are listening to Suzanne Wyman, the deep reading connecting you to your soul I'll be here on Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can call me directly at 714 400 738. And you're welcome to uh, leave me a message, talk to me. If you want to write to me, an old fashioned idea of doing an email. And it's thedeeppsychicreading at gmail.com. And, of course, I welcome any interaction, correspondence, or ideas for another show. You've been a great audience. I've had a great time today. It's really been a source of inspiration and support. And have a great day. And remember, the universe has spoken to you and answered your questions today. Thank you so much, and please join me again. I appreciate you, and may all of your questions be answered.
0: Goodbye. Have a great day.